This is the third episode of our podcast, Putting Ourselves in the Picture, as part of an AHRC UKRI Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Fellowship with Fast Forward Women in Photography. I'm Anna Fox, a photographer and professor of photography at University for the Creative Arts in Farnham, and I created Fast Forward together with my colleague Karen Knorr in 2014 to promote and engage with women in photography across the globe. I'm Maria Kapaeva. I'm an artist, photography tutor, and I have been working with Anna on Fast Forward since its beginning from 2014. And in this episode, we are taking a closer look at our manifesto to create more visibility for women photographers, with a particular focus on the curators and galleries who specialize on the photography. I think in the last decade, the role of curators became much more vital and important and uh, as a kind of an agent build up the conversation between professionals, uh, artists, photographers and the viewers and the outer world. So Anna, you went to visit Brett Rogers at the Photographer's Gallery in London, one of the key organizations in the United Kingdom in the photography Yes, and Brett has been one of the most empowering women in photography in different parts of the globe, in fact, across the whole globe. I first met Brett when she was working at the British Council, getting funding for photographers to be in really great international touring shows and to travel and be present at the openings of those shows and run workshops. And she's always been a force for good for women in photography throughout her career and now has continued that at the Photographer's Gallery. Somebody asked me to talk about my career recently and I went back through my career even in Australia before I arrived in the UK and I remember working on an exhibition. I wasn't the historian or the curator but it was the first exhibition in the early 70s that researched Australian women photographers. I still have the catalogue. We toured that all around Australia and it really was the very first show to really delve deep into the archive. So I think my commitment to it goes back a long way. But we were waiting then, to be honest, Anna, for a lot of the historians and the curators to get on board. It was the very beginning of consciousness raising. On our manifesto, we're asking for a step change for all arts organisations to be sure that they're exhibiting and commissioning at least 50% women. What do you think about that and how has been your experience of showing women photographers? (laughs) I think as an aspiration, it's a sound one, given also the times we're living in and our consciousness about Black Lives Matter. We're also addressing this within the context of how we're representing people of colour within our programme. Looking back over the Photographer's Gallery programme, I was surprised to find that even when Sue Davies, a pioneering woman director, was at the forefront of this institution, she had no awareness. She said to me, oh, I never considered those things. I never considered making sure there was a balance, even though it was the 70s and you would have thought she might have been conscious of that. She said, nope, I just always just chose it on the strength of the photography. But having looked at her programme in the 70s, we have come to realise, because we've done an analysis now, that you know, whilst there might have only been, say, 30% solo exhibitions for women, when she appointed professional curators in the 1980s, everything changed. From the early 80s, we see a distinct move into representing 
both minorities and women much more widely. And when Paul Womble came in, in 1995, I believe one of the things he said to the new curator, Kate Bush, is, Kate, we want you to focus on promoting and finding women photographers. When I became director too, it just was something that my curatorial team and I look at quite consciously, you know, how many solo exhibitions do we have by women coming up, making sure that in group exhibitions they were represented in commissions too. Also, you know, in everything else that we do, like juries and people we invite to talk at our program. So I think it's become just part of our DNA. I don't like this whole thing of making sure that you go through and making sure it's exactly 50% every year because it's most probably impossible to do that and it wouldn't feel right to us. But I think if you looked at it over a five-year period, it most probably would be roughly that. I'd just also like to say that although we are addressing here artists' works in programmes, the only other area where this issue needs to be addressed is whilst all medium-sized galleries in London have often and for a long time been run by women, from Julia Payton-Jones and current director of the Serpentine to Yvonne Whitechapel, South London and myself. The problem still remains that most of the major institutions, museums, the National Gallery, British Museum, have always been run by men and have never had women, V&A. So I do think that's something that needs to be moved on because it seems that there's a glass ceiling for women directors. They would never be considered to run such a major institution. The only change has been at Tate modern, where there are two women directors, but at Tate Britain, Alex Farkerson is there. Interestingly, that's sort of reflected in the, the actual business of photographers. For years, most of the big key names have yes. been guys. Yes. And the women are, are there, but they don't occupy such senior. massive or senior positions. Well, not in the UK. They have done in America. That's and true. interestingly, they have done in India. They crop up here and there in different places. But... Largely speaking across the world, it seems like men seem to do better at it for whatever reason. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. In Europe, Diane de Four, Malus, Malus at Fohm and Laval have both been led by inspiring women, and so was Essen, Uta. Not any longer, but you know, the influence of women on medium to large scale institutions of photography has been quite considerable. Not quite so here at the VA or the Tate. So both been male senior curators of photography. But those institutions, I think they've had a huge, you know, Uta's influence has been massive. Well ahead of anybody else to promoting women photographers was extraordinary and still has ripple effects, I think, throughout Germany. Yeah. And Diane Defoe, well, she's a force of nature. And do you think it's easy for women in positions of power to support women photographers? There's a lot of people who are against positive discrimination, let's say. And you and I have said that we don't feel like yes. we need to do it. no. But do you think there's an anxiety for women in positions of power? They can't quite... Um... I hope not, because I do feel it's just, it is something that should be absorbed in, into people now. I never feel uncomfortable about it. A good example would be on the Deutsche Börse jury, where I'm the non-voting chair, and where I have to guide the jury. It doesn't come up that often, so I don't have to suggest it, because I suppose we choose our jury members with the awareness that they would be cognizant of the need for that. I don't overplay that role. I let the jury members have that discussion between them. I might drop a question which makes them question what the shortlist is before they make the final decision. I might just interject a little bit if I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, mm. especially if it's, say, for, for, for white men. I wondered if you'd had conversations with women photographers where it's been made clear that they've had some kind of difficulty getting on in the world of photography. 
what I believed when I first started photography that it was a profession you could take up quite easily as a woman because being freelance you can govern your own time and all the rest of it it actually seemed that the kinds of jobs that you were being offered were impossible if you had any kind of other life to deal with I don't know if you've had any stories like that from women photographers. Many with your career span, Anna. So I do think that women suffered like that enormously in the 80s and 90s, especially, as you say, editorial advertising. But less so now. Goodness me, the new generation of young women photographers are so, I don't know, I just, I just embrace the world and so feisty and get out there. I don't hear those stories any longer. I mean, I do wonder, of course, I always wonder as a mother myself and knowing the difficulties of having a very pressurised job with two young children, I do wonder about the impact that that has on delaying careers and whether more things could be put in place to support photographers, freelancers, during that very difficult early phase of their life with children. There's just no denying that it must impact on their ability to take jobs or to really make huge leaps with their careers during those early years. You see, that's been one of the interesting things. With our Fast Forward project, we've run a series of research workshops around various different regions of the world. And I found that really, really interesting, This um, the business of caring that has largely seems to be women's area, women's job, has a huge impact on women's lives. And the way That's unspoken about unspoken about and also it differs enormously from region to region of the world. When I arrived at the Photographer's Gallery in 2006 I learned that really in, in the history of the gallery very few, I'd say one member of staff had only come back to work after having a baby and I thought oh I'm going to change the culture here, lead from the top and so I positively encouraged all my staff to say look you know family's important if you want to have a baby I will make it possible for you to come back on whatever terms you want because I know from my own experience doing a, a job share for the British Council, that you know, given the opportunity to work flexibly, you're much more loyal to the organisation. You do more as a result. You're so committed to them because they make that possible. And you, you know, working mothers are so efficient and productive. I am very proud of my mixture of wonderful babies here on the wall. I think that's amazing. Really amazing. It's such a messy wall, and I don't think when you know international curators come into my office and sit down they look at this messy wall full of all these babies and they do sit there wondering what on earth is she trying to tell me this was so interesting brett talking about people having children working at the photographer's gallery and also other curators from around the globe and the fact that people hadn't had children at the photographer's gallery before brett arrived and this refers back to you know the importance of the role model the powerful role model who says yes it's okay you can have children you'll still have a job i mean honestly what kind of a world do we live in it's incredible yes and i think uh, we continue this conversation about the importance that organizations and institutions to commit to exhibiting commissioning, publishing, collecting at least 50% of women at work with a dear friend of ours and the member of our steering committee, Sunil Gupta, who is an incredible photographer, very well known for bringing up an easy question of diversity and inclusivity of LGBT plus community in India and around the world. He also curated and organized many events and exhibitions to bring the women's voices or underrepresented voices to the public. This idea of affirmative action or a kind of equalizing of the numbers, 
that's been something that I've personally been involved with for a very long time, ever since the 1980s. We began to get involved with organizing exhibitions and publications and material production around photography and fine art. It became very obvious immediately that most of the participants were heterosexual white males and uh, I would say like more than 80% almost. I was part of some of the photography uh, initiatives at the time. There was camera work in East London. We used to be something called Wandsworth Photo Co-op that later became Photo Fusion. And then of course we started autographs. We wanted to have at the very minimum a parity of numbers. So 50-50 for women and possibly more because given the imbalance that you are starting with, I think we should ask for even more higher number. The first show with Autograph, we made sure it was not only black, but also 50-50 in terms of gender parity. And similarly, when I did my first Indian show in Economy of Science at the Photographer's Gallery, I made sure there were four women and four men. And I can tell you it was hard to persuade everybody that the four women could have a place in the show because many guys in India said to me, who are these women? They're not photographers. What they were saying is that they were not photographers in the sense that they understood photographers, which was to do commercial work, largely in the advertising and fashion and magazine industry. Going back to this point that you chose about organisations to commit 50% women's work. I just think it's so interesting that ever since the beginning of your career, you have involved yourself with various organisations, sometimes or probably a lot of the time working voluntarily, but you've actually put yourself into that position in order to help make change. More recently, I feel like there's even more need to do it because now that it's been recognised and spoken about, there's a kind of a weird pushback. You know, now people are saying, Oh, well, you know, that Maria, she's there because she's a woman. She's not there because she's any good. So I've been in situations where I've wanted to exercise positive discrimination, but other people on the panel or in the community or organisation are totally against it. One of the arguments is exactly what you're saying. People will then say, oh, well, you've just got these people in because they've been positively discriminated and they're not that good anyway. Even in recent years, there's been conversations with galleries who absolutely would not do an all-woman photography show. I do remember one conversation with a very important museum director who was really funny, actually, and a woman. And she said, I don't do women in photography shows, but I do photography shows that have all women in them. And I loved that idea that she didn't announce it. There are difficulties around it, aren't there? Positive discrimination, I mean. There are. A number of us got involved with policy making at the Arts Council and what used to be Greater London Arts. And we tried to put this into the policies and it kind of became very overtly politicised. Not only did it affect people like the curators, as you're saying, and the museum directors, but I think by the 90s and the early 2000s, it even affected the women photographers themselves. There's a very famous woman photographer, and there's more than one I can think of, who would never take part in a women's only show. They want to be known for their very good work. They don't want to be known for being a woman photographer. That's hard to argue with for me. I mean, maybe Anna or Maria, maybe you can, because 
you're also women. But coming from me, it's a bit weird. I can sort of understand it, but it tends to be people who are already quite successful who feel like this, which is also interesting. One of the things I remember saying about our conference is, you know, it's not about you being a woman photographer. I'm not going to go around saying, hi, I'm Anna, I'm a woman photographer. It's a subject. We're dealing with women in photography as a subject. And it's important we discuss it. I also get the same response quite often from the students or recent graduates, which is quite interesting. They say like, no, 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 I don't want to be pigeonholed. That's interesting about pigeonholing in general. In a way, so people kind of avoiding being pigeonholed because of their ethnicity, gender or any other identities. And so it's like this idea of being in this one gender show, it's a kind of limit But for me, it comes then to kind of the opposite side of it, uh, talking about sort of curators and editors who look at other people's work and why they, for example, if the work is presented on a women's show only, why it can be seen only in that context. That's in a way comes to me. I maybe wanted to uh, ask you, Sunil, that idea of why so little men on our events or conferences we organize. I mean, I don't expect you, you have the answer, but maybe you kind of have some ideas why it's happening because you've been a quite big advocate of represents who less uh, presented in the art world. So what's happened with other men in a way, the professionals, why they are not so interested to be engaged in these conversations? I suspect it's partly because they have to give up the idea that they are the center of the universe. They probably find that hard to do, you know, because they're used to having a conversation which, which is all about them. But I think you might find more interest amongst the young and the people who are more up and coming. It's also up to us when we get opportunities and for curating. And so I try and now be even more forceful because I feel like Maybe it didn't go far enough. Some people, I think, by the end of the 90s were saying that, okay, we've done it, like the parity is achieved. But it didn't feel like that to me. Because, of course, now there are several well-known and I think probably well-paid and powerful women practitioners around. But there's always others who are still blocked, you know, in a way. So I don't think that we've done as much as we could do. And I think also my trajectory from the 80s till now has pretty much followed the expansion of neoliberalism. And I think one of the legacies of Thatcher-Reagan policy was to foreground the individual at the expense of the community. Yeah, there is one of the critique of a patriarchal society is also actually competition is a part of that problem, you know, consistently have a winner or wish to be winner. So the feminist practices, and at least like which I feel make more sense like to me, they are more horizontal. It's more about the community caring in the practices. So it makes it more difficult than like climbing on a ladder of career. So you're forced to behave as society tells you. Photography is a kind of seems to be a very competitive thing altogether. We tend to work on our own quite a lot. We're much more kind of individualized. We kind of compete with each other for jobs and opportunities. And I remember as a student in Farnham, this is like when I was uh, first studying there in the end of the 70s, when you waited to get your print out of the 
machine in the black and white communal darkroom and the prints came face down and if you picked up somebody else's print and looked at it they would have a fit and a half because they thought you're going to steal their idea you know so people would walk around holding on to their work they didn't want to show it to you it was similar to that in the um late 1980s i remember meeting some of my fellow students after they graduated and actually it was for coffee in the photographer's gallery and they had portfolios under their arms and I said can I see what you've been doing and they're like no you can't I was just amazed absolutely amazed but yeah it's a funny business isn't it photography we actually do need a lot of people although we don't really acknowledge that because we're always the center of it there's always people around us we can't manage without help of some kind but we are always the center you're right my cohort as it were a lot of people fell away from photography. I mean, they were there for the workshop period. They were there for camera work and photo fusion in the early days and so on. But they slowly began to fall by the wayside, I think, because it became increasingly difficult to sustain a practice with very few financial rewards, and especially if you became a parent and had a child or two, it became even more difficult. And we don't really have a system which supports people who are now in 35 and have kids and have, have you know, financial needs. And we're still wanting to pay people practically nothing. Camera work was incredibly important and I actually did a work placement there when I was a student. And again, going back to that idea of role models, there were some amazing people working there, like Eve Lomax and Liz Wells was in charge. And these were forceful characters who questioned everything everyone said around them. I learned a lot from being in that environment. And the next person I interview is Anne McNeil, who I think I actually met when she was on the committee at Camera Work because after doing my work placement there and a couple of years after graduating, I did my second and probably one of my most important commissions ever with Camera Work at the Museum of London. It was called Workstations. And Anne McNeil, along with another quite a big group of people, was part of the steering committee who I had to meet every three months to discuss the progress in the work. And Anne McNeil is a director of Impressions Gallery in Bradford, one of the most important photography exhibition spaces and galleries in the world. I started out as a photographer in the early 80s and to make money on the side, I started as a volunteer at camera work, running the dark rooms and mixing the chemicals. <laughs> And then got a job there. I think my the first job title I had was darkroom worker. It was all very kind of collective. And I ran workshops for the young people in Tower Hamlets. There was a lot of push from the GLC in the early 80s for equality and diversity. Um, not just women, but also people of colour. So camera work was quite at the forefront of running workshops for groups. And one of my very first jobs was running practical workshops for women. The first task I used to give the women was make a self-portrait without a camera. So it was teaching them darkroom skills, you know, developer, stop, fix. And they had a bit of unexposed photographic paper and had to take things out of their pockets or their, their handbag that represented them. And we made a photogram. So you were working in London where actually people were proactively doing things for women already. Yes. So that yes. must have informed quite a lot of the rest of your career. I think camera work's completely informed 
my career actually. I think two things have informed my career. My first degree was sociology at Glasgow University, then I, I moved into photography, and then I did an MA at Goldsmiths, and I think sociology and working at camera work has absolutely informed my career, and then what I've gone on to do, and always working and championing with women, it's something I believe in. I don't have to second think about it, it's something I've always just done and believed in. You know, one of the questions in our manifesto is we want to make it that women are represented equally in galleries in terms of exhibitions and commissions. And, you know, when I look at the history of impressions, I mean, you've been doing that forever. It's quite interesting because impressions was established in 1972 by Val Williams and Andrew Sproxton. So we're going to be 50 next year. When you look at the history of impressions for the first few years, it's really male dominated and that's quite interesting. You know, Val Williams says that herself at that time in the early 70s it was really hard to find women and then then a shift happens I'd say about the late 70s and since I've been here you know, I took over in 2000 and I've been like one of the curators and directors here that thing about giving women a voice and giving women an exhibition it's been so so important very proud of the fact that Impressions has always championed the work of women photographers and if you look back in the past 10 years which I've done it's 50-50 and something really interesting comes out of that. I've talked with this with people, Field too, who's one of the curators here as well at Impressions Gallery. People are under the perception that there was a sort of feeling that we, we show too much women's work, which is such a weird perception to have. And I will say it, the Arts Council said, you know, there could be a problem with programming that happens at Impressions because you're an all-woman team and we think, you know, that shows a bias to showing too many women photographers. And I was really taken aback and, in fact, I was apoplectic with rage. It's like, how can there be such a thing as too many women photographers that you're showing? Plus, could you say that to another gallery? If there's galleries that are all-male teams, would you be picking them up and saying maybe you show too many men? But so I, I sort of calmed myself down and just thought, no, data, data solves everything. Let's give them the stats. And that's when I did the thing about the past decade. It's been more or less 50-50. So it's kind of this perception that if you're showing women equally, it's too much. You know, one of the things we've been looking for on the Fast Forward project is role models for people to look to. Because when I was asked that question back in the 80s, I think it was Val Williams interviewing me for the National Sound yeah. Archive, like, who are your role models? I couldn't think. So they're really, really important role models. But when I look at all the galleries in the UK, I come straight back to impressions and think you are the place that have given both significant and emerging women the solo shows. Oh, thank you. You can't actually find them in yeah. a lot of other places. Yeah. I mean, I can think of some quite big names who've never had a, a solo show yeah. and Impressions has been doing it. So it's, yeah, I think that stands important. out. I just think it's so important. You know, we all know whoever writes the history is in charge of the narrative that gets out there and I just think it's so important. There's always been women photographers and they need a, a place and a space. And what you're saying about role models, so what we do with exhibiting photographers, we have what was called the artist folder and simple questionnaires, you know, who's your role models? And I'm still surprised the number of the men the male canon photographic canon are often particularly from the male photographers show and I then go out of my way to make sure I intervene and start asking them well, why aren't you citing women as your 
inspiration or your role model? Have you looked at this woman's work? So it's not just putting work on the walls. I think it's the conversations that go on in the background are really, really important. Always keeping the conversation going. And it doesn't have to be visible all the time. We also all know that there's more to being a photographer than having an exhibition. And one has to find ways to make a living. So have you found there's anything that Impressions has been able to do or can do or does do that contributes to women becoming more employable as photographers? Yeah, well, we've always run alongside our exhibition programme, you know, workshops and mentoring. We do individually, the curators here, um, a lot of individual portfolio reviews. It's about very being upfront at the beginning. It's not about giving you a show. It's about helping you on your career path. Or maybe have you thought about doing an MA because that will clarify your thinking or have you thought this work isn't really working. And it's quite interesting. Currently at Impressions Gallery, we're showing the work of Carolyn Mendelssohn been in between and she came to see me about four years ago this was a six-year project so she had just started this project of photographing young girls between the age of 10 and 12 and she'd been doing it for two years she said well so I've been doing it for two years and I'm thinking of doing a new project so this is finished and I was like no it's not Carolyn you're just starting carry on carry on because there's something there but you need a breadth of more girls, not just girls from Bradford. Keep doing it, keep doing it, because you're on to something. And she's reported back to me that it was a, a eureka moment for her. It's all right doing a long-term project, and you'll know yourself as a photographer when the work's finished. That's an example that she said clarified her thinking. Do you think in your role at Impressions Gallery, you have any power to push governments, both national and local, to find ways to put more funding into photography for women, both as photographers, as audiences, artists, curators. Okay, I can talk on the local level and hopefully it'll transfer into the national level. I think actually Britain's really bad for photography, institutions and supporting photography, and there is no one voice that can lobby the government. Again, starting out in the 80s when there was a photography department at the Arts Council of England, photography was in a much stronger position than it is now because there is no photography specialism at the Arts Council and at a national lobbying level, that makes it trickier. On a local level, I think, and, and I will take this, and I'll say this with pride, I think we have Impressions Gallery being in Bradford has made a cultural shift. Bradford Council is an interesting council, you know, it's a poor district, suffers all the deprivation it's got the youngest growing population in the country and it's really suffered during lockdown and cuts but they have made culture one of their four pillars of recovery going forward and they have made photography quite an important part because photography is a democratic art form and I think Impressions has played that role articulating it by being visible in the city all the work that we do with schools and the local colleges. On a local level, I definitely think Impressions has, just by being visible in the city, and also the publications we do. So I think it's like starting anywhere. You start, you can start small. I do think there's a lot of work to be done on a national level. Yeah, so do you think then that we ideally need a photography officer at the Arts Council again? Yeah, I do. I do, because I remember, again, during the... 80s and 90s when you know another one of my jobs was artistic director of Photo 98 which was the UK year of photography sharpened across the whole of Yorkshire and there were people at the Arts Council that understood the nuances of photography and how it was different from 
paintings or how it's different from sculptures. And then they also had professional panels, so there was industry people on it or photographers on it. So I remember I sat on a couple of panels for publishing and Mark Seely of Autograph was also on that panel and it was a visual arts, but we were brought in as the photography experts and I think we do need that. There's a reason why there's photography curators. We bring knowledge, not just of what's happening contemporary, the whole history of photography. And that's why I think Fast Forward is amazing because women photographers have always existed. They've just been ignored. We've learned a huge amount from these conversations and I'm so pleased to have had them. One of the things that is really clear is that women photographers need support. We know all photographers need support, but women need support to make their careers and their work more visible. But they also, they need to learn to be more ambitious and we need to train them to be ambitious and get their work out into the world. You've also been teaching, Maria. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yes, I think so. I mean, it's a very difficult task, actually, what it means to be more ambitious and how you can change that because it's really rooted into the culture how from childhood uh, children brought up and brought up differently boys and girls but i also want to highlight that what came up in the conversation with sunil is importance that actually it's not only a job for women to do that but also for men to be more involved to listen to look to extend they are networking and pay more attention on the women in the professional world. So we can't do it, the job for all of us. We have to collaborate in that and do it together. And it will be great that this message will be picked up by male curators or leaders of art organizations and start to look around. Even like follow, I don't know, our Instagram, read our news on the website and see what incredible women are featured through our channels. You know, this is so important and it comes up time and time again in our conferences. We want more men to attend. When I introduce the website and the Instagram to people, I'm constantly finding myself having to say, this is not just for women. This is for all genders. It's about women photographers, but it's for everyone. And I don't know if we could find a way of adding something about this to our manifesto. Well, we have to see. <laughs> How to make it more inclusive in a way or more accessible to others. Yeah, I think it's something we, we have to think about for the future. We definitely want more people to be looking at women in photography. It's been echoed throughout all of these conversations that support is vital, that photography occupies an odd position in a way and always has done in the art world in particular. And it's special because of that. And so there's a sort of double layering of need, the need to support and appreciate photography and the need to support women photographers. For our next episode, we are going to be staying in Bradford at Impressions Gallery, as well as visiting National Galleries of Scotland in Edinburgh for some of the workshops organised for the Putting Ourselves in the Picture project. Putting Ourselves in the Picture is part of an Arts and Humanities Research Council UK Research Initiative Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Fellowship awarded to me at Fast Forward Women in Photography 
The project works in partnership with Autograph, Impressions Gallery Bradford, National Galleries of Scotland, Women for Refugee Women and Workshow Grow. This podcast was produced by Anna Fox and Maria Kapaiva with audio production by Lucia Skatsokio from Social Broadcasts.